Thanks for tuning in to a brand new episode of Tire Kicker. I'm Jeff. I'm Nate. And I'm Jillian. And on today's rad episode, we're going to discuss a car that's been a favorite of all of ours on Tire Kicker since we were kicking the tires on our bicycles. This car has really got it all. A low center of gravity, super slick interior, and those awesome pop-up headlights. So join us as we go round and round about the one and only RX-7. Welcome to the Rubber Lounge. Round and round, it's a subtle, round you know, and it could, round. It could be the tire, it could be the Goes wheel, or it could be the rotary engine. Yep, that's right. Going round and round, that that's, eccentric shaft. That's right. Hey, Rubber Lounge. Hey, boys. I got something pretty exciting. So, new land speed record for production that's vehicle. Right. 330 and change miles per hour, average two direction speed of like 316. That's insane. Wow. This is just, yeah, I'm probably getting old, but when I was in high school, I think that the McLaren F1 had just hit about 250. Yeah. And that was mind That was a blowing, big deal. Huge deal. Almost two decades ago. Yeah. And so how much faster have we gone in two decades? You know, this right. thing really pulls a lot of stuff out of the water and it's kind of about time that Gauntlet has been rethrown down it's been a while since we've seen like a top speed war like this yeah because what was it the veyron yep absolutely the veyron and then koenigsegg yeah they owned that for such a long time who's owned it as of late though was it koenigs or was it somebody else i don't remember i think it's shuffled around shelby supercars got it with the ssc i think the super arrow or something like that okay maybe eight years ago and then you know bugatti's traded it out with them and then now, this is just, I mean, this is really like 50 plus miles per hour delta over what they've been doing before, which is, right. it makes sense when you look at like uh, salt flat racers. And I mean, those things are going 700, you know, right. completely different. Those aren't this is something, production cars. Yeah. No. And on a street, I mean, you know, they pick the street, but it's not like a track that's a closed circuit. You know, it's 100% buy it off the showroom floor, take it to. I hope they were the, checking for cops. i'm sure they paid a few people off that's right i got my cold radar detector i'm good (laughs) it's really oh stop it's a really kind of cool looking car i don't know if you guys have seen it i haven't i'm looking at it right now it's it's okay yeah it's a jason castriota design and he i'll be honest he's like a little bit polarizing in my opinion but he's done some really good cars did the maserati gt we also did this car called the Bertone Mentide, I think Mentide or Mantide, Mantide, which was a Corvette ZR1 rebody. And it kind of reminds me of this SSC Tuatara that has broken the record. He has this design element where he sort of has like an array of circles or spheres or hexagons or things like that, where he's using these punched out shapes in the body, you know, to create like a mesh instead of just having like a hole with a mesh which I think is interesting. He also had a couple of Saab designs. He did the Saab 9.3 Phoenix project, which was, they were going to bring Saab back. I can't remember the year, maybe 08, 09. Mm-hmm. It kind of went through a few hands when it was sold from GM. But Kestriota does a really interesting job. He also does a lot of the Glickenhaus designs as well. 
I think it's the P4 and 5. It's basically Glickenhaus is this doctor who basically is sort of doing bespoke Ferraris in a sense and oh, is actually sure. taking it to its own level. At this point, I think Glickenhaus makes his own vehicles, but for a while he was rebodying and building off these other bases. Gotcha. So it's kind of interesting to see Castriata basically design this car to be incredibly aerodynamic. I think the drag coefficient's like 0.27 or something, which is just absolutely wild. And then it's like 1,750 horsepower, which is like what? That's nuts. 1,500 <laughs> horsepower more than my car. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, it, it basically really looks is. like an arrow. Yes, yes. It's cool looking, but it's you know what it's intended for. It's intended to go fast. How terrified no would you it. be to be behind the wheel of it? I would be more terrified not behind the wheel riding the shotgun. You know, if I have control over it, <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be yeah. all right. But True. riding shotgun, that's a that'd like, be a whole. What other kind role. of a an experience would that be to ride in a car like that? To ride in it and then to you know to drive it. Well, that brings me to a question: What's the fastest you guys have ever been in a car? Car or motorcycle? Car, both. Ooh, go Julian. I, mean, I stopped. I stopped looking around <laughs> one forty and five. Okay. It was on a motorcycle, public streets. Not the time you really need to be checking the speed. You need to definitely be looking ahead of yourself. Right. At that point. Yeah. Car probably closer to like one thirty five, one forty cresting. Okay. I probably hit like one hundred and thirty. Actually, in an RX-7. I nice. wasn't driving. A friend of mine was. And looking back, it was not smart. In the RX-8, though, recently, like shortly after I got it, I think I, I was out rural roads. I think I got it up to like 120. Wow. Maybe. Maybe. Well, maybe. Like, I don't know. It was over 100. 110. Something like Good that. Good on you, man. Letting Just her rip. Going. That's Just right. Going. Just keep going. Yeah, fastest I've ever gone, not including on a drag strip because i've ridden in a buddy's nova that was like a full-on drag car that he was probably pushing i don't know 180 or more i don't i don't know because there's like no speedometer on it i don't remember what it was so you know that was a long time ago i was a teenager but in an actual like street car i drove a camaro ss a 98 camaro ss six speed and test driving that <laughs> my buddy worked for our dealership i won't name the dealership because i don't want to get in any trouble um i test drove it and i said hey i'm gonna drive it like i'm gonna buy it like if, if i'm gonna buy it i'm gonna drive it like it's mine he's like oh, that's that's fine and so i took it out on the bypass and and i let you know got into it pretty hard and stuff but i i got it up to 145 like no time in that thing and I still had another gear. And it's like, man, wow. he's like, yeah, this thing will hit 160. You better stop, man. <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool. So then I backed that out. But then another one of my buddies had a uh, 78 Camaro. He had put a, what was it? It was a just a 350, but then he had done a whole bunch of stuff to it. And I forget everything he did because, again, we were like 16, 17, 18 years old. But anyways, it was right after because he used to have a V6 in it. He took that out, and then he put in this 350, and him and his dad built it up. It had noisy gear drive and all this other stuff. It was crazy. It was, had so much power in it, and he had that thing. You can probably, do everything to a 350. Yeah, totally, too. and it was yeah. it was just a monster, and we had that thing, no hood on, and he had that thing doing over 140 on the highway, 
and he had plenty of room to go too. And he was like, I better not do this. This is a brand new motor. <laughs> it was like, it was like three days old. He's like, I better pull this back. <laughs> oh man. So that's something that made me kind of like disgusting when I was reading this Tuatara record. And I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, yeah, I think T-U-A-T. so. T-U-A-T. Yeah, yeah Tuatara. Anyway. He was like, yeah, it was still pulling. Yeah, isn't that nuts? <laughs> isn't that nuts? Just like top speed, like he hit like what, 330-something or whatever? And it was still I think it was 331. Right? Oh my gosh, dude, that's just wow. crazy. You got to make sure that you clean your bowels out before you go. <laughs> yeah. I noticed in the video, he like straps down his seatbelt at about like a buck 40. See him reach over and he's like, yeah. Okay, we're getting, <laughs> getting a little crazier. Those trees are zipping by. Let's make sure these are tight. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's what's crazy about it is when you start hitting, I mean, you hit 100 miles an hour and you're like, okay, I'm going pretty fast. But when you go to like 140, man, those, it's like those dashed lines on the road. It's almost like a solid line. It goes so fast and you're going by things so fast. It's pretty intimidating. But yeah, I just remember like when I was doing it, I was, when I was driving that Camaro, I, I remember, uh, you guys ever take those driver's ed courses when you're like 15? I took driver's ed. Yeah. So I took driver's ed and we had a sheriff or something like that come in and talk with us. And oh, I know where this is going, right? And so he's showing us all these slides and everything, just uh-huh. these mangled kids and stuff like that, you know, after they died from wrecking their cars. And the telephone pole with the car, just yeah, wrapped around, just wrapped it. around it and stuff like that. And he was telling a story about this one car, and it was doing like 130 miles an hour or something like that. And then it, the tires blew on it because the tires were only rated to like 88 miles an hour or something like that. And and so he's like, that's the thing. He's like, all you kids think, oh, the speedometer goes up to 130. I'm going to try to do 130. And he's like, and you don't realize that you got just some regular radial tires on it and the the belts inside and stuff start to wobble. And the next thing you know, you blow a tire. And, and so like ever since then, I was like, I'm very conscious of checking the rating on these tires and stuff, yeah. how fast they can go. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, that's the last thing you want to have happen when you're doing 140 miles an hour is, you sure. know, having a belt blow on you. It's so easy to like, okay, I got an open stretch of road. Okay. I got a car that can go, you know, I know it can go pretty fast, but then this have this, this thing that you're not expecting this catastrophic thing. And then you go from having fun to like a very serious situation. Yeah, totally. No kidding. Yeah. And that's, a, that was like one of the first things I told my son, you know, I was like, I know I'm not going to be in the car with you every single time, obviously. And your car can get up and go a little bit, you know, and you're going to want to push it and stuff. And that's, that's fine. You know, just be careful. But I was like, you got to understand the rating on your tires and you don't want to push it. Now, Julian, full disclosure, when you sent SSC, I was like, the first thing I thought was South Sioux city. <laughs> and now that I see I, Shelby, I see so then I'm like, oh, it's Shelby, but then it's no yeah, relation Shelby to Carol Supergross. Shelby. It sort of is, but oh, it's sort of okay, isn't. sort of is. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it used to be Shelby Supercars. Somebody named Shelby owns it now. I think it's Shelby's kid, Jared Shelby. Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. It was founded in '98 by owner Jared Gerard J E R O D Shelby. No relation to car designer Carol Shelby. Okay. Okay, well, sorry, I'm go. sure he pronounces it Jared. I'm just Gerard. how he spells it. G Rod, <laughs> no, 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 call me Gerard. Gerard, 
Don't try to church it up, Jared. <laughs> Tire kicker, making friends. Making friends. Oh, God. <laughs> no <Guys>. sponsorships. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nobody wants to sponsor us. That's right. They just make fun of everybody. Oh, come on, Gerard. You know you want to. All they talk about is electric cars and making fun of people's names. It's really weird. They just crap all over people. I'm like, <laughs> so, like, I was listening, you know, for the Dakota episode. Man, we really, we really ripped on poor Cliff. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot. I, I'm actually really excited about that. Though. <laughs> it's such quality, poor Cliff, but also such quality. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Had it, you have it coming, Cliff. That's right. It's right. He does. Matter of fact, we're not actually here to talk about Mazas. We're just going to rip on Cliff some more tonight. <laughs> All right, third gen Dakota. That's right. Crap. No. We're not afraid to tell people how we feel about no. certain car designs or, or decisions right. that were made. So beware, listeners. So one thing I want to talk about really quick. So my father-in-law got a new truck this weekend. Oh, okay. He got a, uh, he got a new Toyota Tundra, the oh, man. SRT or whatever, I think is okay. what it is. Yeah. Man, that thing is wicked cool. It is big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like not expecting it. You know, obviously it's a quad cab and everything and four wheel drive and it's got the 18 inch wheels and I don't know what size tires on it, but they were, man, that thing's a big truck, man. I, it's, it's impressive, but they got a, a new camper and it's like a sleeps 10. It's just the two of them, but they're like, yeah, we want to take a bunch of the grandkids out when we go out camping and stuff. So they got this big camper that sleeps 10 and they're like, yeah, you can take our camper and truck whenever you want to. And I was like, sweet. So then he's like, get, I get a new truck too. So then they like pulled up with this new truck. I'm like, no way. And I went out and took a look at it. Man, that thing is freaking cool. That is a really, really neat truck. The camper I think is 7,500 pounds. And I think the towing capacity on the truck is like 10,000. I think that's what he said. And that's incredible. Yeah. You know, Like I'm used to, <laughs> I used to like old Chevys back in the day. Like, what's the towing capacity? Twenty five hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, baby. You know, I still have a really hard time thinking of traditionally foreign, you know, Japanese trucks like Nissan or Toyota. Like thinking of them as serious trucks. And now I know right, they full are size. Yeah, yeah, but it's just like it's yeah. weird. It's still weird for me to like see okay. a giant. Toyota or a giant yeah. Nissan truck. I'm just like, man, yeah. they do make big trucks, don't they? It all, it's like it constantly surprises me. I'm like, whoa. Big <laughs> <trucks>. <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> oh my God. Whoa. That's a yeah, because the truck. one thing the market that they've that they've done very well with is the small or mid-sized trucks. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Toyota Tacomas and stuff like that. They're man, Toyota's been doing awesome work with little small trucks for years since the 70s, Decades. you know. Yep. But yeah, you're right. When they got into that Tundra, it was like, whoa. You asked me, in my opinion, it took them a while to get there. But these newer styles are really cool. And they put a lot of engineering into yeah. them. You know, so they do it right. Do you guys remember the first Tundra ad? No. 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 The one I remember is the one where they race a Lotus. In so a they Tundra. have a Lotus Esprit. Okay. And they have a Tundra. What? And they're on like an airport runway. And they both launch, okay? And the Esprit is obviously, it's doing pretty good, right? Because sure. it's Esprit. And the Tundra is doing fine, too. And then they hit the end of the track, and the Tundra just keeps going, right? 
That is a Such great a good ad. commercial. That is it great is. Ad. It's a great ad. It's like, you know, I can uh, go that fast. That was like their intro. But I can also you know? go through the weeds. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Does the, does the Lotus keep going or does it stop? Probably yeah, I think stops. it like, catches on fire or something. That's <laughs> 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 so typical. <laughs> I think, ironically, now Lotus have Toyota engines. So. That's right. <laughs> oh. oh, man, that's but funny. It was a pretty cool ad. They definitely wanted to make their mark. You know, they wanted to like put out the impression that they're a powerful vehicle, they can go anywhere. I think they've done a great job, and they also make the Sequoia on the Tundra yeah, platform. Yep, oh, yep. Yeah, and I've got a buddy one. that has one of those, and I, I think it's like two, maybe 230,000, 250,000 miles. Yeah, I believe it. I remember he took it into the shop because it was making like a weird clunk noise. This is at like 215, 220. And he'd done basically no maintenance to this truck for ever. He bought it from his dad. And this clunk noise, they literally like greased an axle that's it. That's it. Like no, 200 and fixed it. <laughs> That's nuts, man. <laughs> Done. Send him on his wow. way. Like a squirt. <laughs> squirt, squirt. Done. There you That's go. You're nuts. good for another 250. Exactly. Thousand. It's just crazy. Yeah. They just build a really good product. Well, wasn't it a was it a Tacoma? I believe it was oh, a, love a Toyota Taco. Tacoma or something like that. That yeah. it hit a million miles and then they ended up giving the guy a brand new Tacoma. They gave it to him if he would be willing to give him his old Tacoma, and they wanted to take it apart piece by piece and study all of the different Ooh. parts to see how it held yeah. up for a million miles. And so ever Amazing. since that happened, they've been trying to build up even better on their engineering and stuff. Think about that for a second. If you made something with your own hands and everything, and then like you find out somebody took it to the ends of the earth and back, you know, like that hard, you'd be like, man, that's impressive. I do want to study this thing and see where it's been and how it held up, you know. Now, that's interesting. Like, do these car companies, do they, obviously, they're going to have models of their vehicles sitting around and they're going to drive them and stuff. I'm like, do they do lot, like long-term testing and then teardowns and that kind of thing? I mean, I obviously, a million so. miles is extreme, but. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. That's cool. They do definitely give out like kudos. There's a guy named Irv Gordon. There's a Volvo P1800, and it, I want to say it's like multiple millions of miles on this wow. car. It's at least like two and a quarter million. Last time I checked it, it might be something like four or something by now. He just drives this one car all the time, and it's amazing. Isn't there a lady with a Mustang that she bought brand new like back in the 60s that hit, I don't know if it was a million, but she was recognized, I think, by Ford. Yeah, I remember I was watching the Inside Edition or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch that stuff. This was a long time ago. TMZ. TMZ, something like that. No, <laughs> they had a little probably six-second clip about this lady who had bought, I think she had a 65 Malibu, and she bought a brand new, and it had all these different warranties on it. Like, she got a warranty on the battery. She got a warranty on, you know, all these little pieces of it all over the place and stuff. She ended up getting the car battery through J.C. Penney back then, and so she had this warranty on it. And so to this day, she would still take, every time that the battery would go bad, she would take the battery to J.C. Penney. They would give her paperwork, and then she could take that paperwork down over to Sears, and then Sears would put a new battery in for her. She's like, I've never had to buy a battery. I've never had to do this. I never had to do that. You know, da, 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 da. And she's like, warranties are very, very important. 
everybody's like, you can't get that kind of warranty. Yeah, I'm like, they don't offer something. <laughs> yeah. They're on to you. you know? That's like the worst thing to warranty. <laughs> yep, exactly. They learned <laughs> their lesson. for all these dang batteries. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so We warranty way. your tires. That's right, that's right. Well, we got kind of a big episode. Should we jump in? Let's get our feet into this fire. All that's right, right. <laughs> let's do it. That's right. All right. Let's do it. All right. We are here. Arc 7. <laughs> Mazda. Mazda. <laughs> it's the 70s. Cars. You're trying to make a name for yourself. What do you do? What is different? You put out a TV ad. Boing, 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 boing. What is this? Triangle powers? <laughs> Nobody's ever seen triangle powers. Mazda, you're amazing. <laughs> what are you doing here? Pistons, they only go up and down. You go all oh, oh, in circles. <laughs> <laughs> How do you turn pure fire into energy like this, Mazda? <laughs> Years of painful development. That's right. Almost killing your entire team. <laughs> 52 Samurais. Almost killing your entire team. <laughs> I'm serious. The lead developer like lost his teeth. Like Wait, what? No, like no joke. That's the insane. stress was so hard. I'm not sure if his fingernails fell off, but that's what I imagined happening. <laughs> but he definitely lost his teeth and he's bald. Yikes. Okay, like there's no way. No that's funny. Absolutely yeah. I mean, poor guy. Poor genius. So Vankel. Yeah. When did it go from uh, Vankel to master? And as you are saying, it began in Germany. Was an NSU. Yeah. Originally messed with it. They put it in motorcycles. And, you know, my guess is probably everybody kind of like was throwing spaghetti at the wall after yeah. World War II, like trying yeah. to basically just like stick around. Right, mm -hmm. because if you didn't have something that was technologically relevant, you basically were ir irrelevant, and they'd shut you down. There's no room for anything beyond really like prime time R and D after World War II, and so Mazda comes along with the information from NSU and this idea, but it's not really practical. You know, nobody's really put it into really any functional application that's lasted, and so they kind of fought through it, and that was one of their main reasons for existing because I think at that time Japan was shutting down everything else. I mean, if you didn't have a real viable product and a real reason to exist, then you know, you weren't worth funding. Sink or swim. Sink or swim, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Mazda was like making boats. So that's a pretty appropriate analogy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of the other vehicles that had rotary engines, like this Mercedes Benz C one eleven. Right. Holy moly, that car is like awesome sauce <laughs> yeah and the, there were like a couple corvettes there were a couple corvette prototypes one had like a four rotor and you know nobody could really make it viable yeah this mercedes didn't go to production and really to be honest to their credit but also to their detriment you know mazda has kind of locked down the patents for a long time and so probably since the 80s in a sense they've been the only folks who've developed it but the only allowed themselves to develop it but they haven't done anything with it in a long time. 
Well, you know, yeah, they've done some really great stuff with it. There's stuff that even comes out now that I think is cool. Like there are people who are making like CNC housings and things like that. Really, the last time, it, in my opinion, it went through like true fundamental changes was probably like the late 70s, early 80s. Because it's been almost the same design, that same, you know, 13 by 13 by 13 for almost 20 years, 20, 30 years. You know, your RX-8 is the 1.3 liter. There was something, I don't know if it's just magical about that specific size and capacity, but, you know, they toyed with making it a 1.6 liter, making it wider. I mean, lots of different things. They kind of have ended up back on the same formula that was kind of like proven out by the OGs and masters of right. the rotary. Right. Because I know, you know, obviously there's a, I don't, we may have talked about this before, that new prototype that Mazda is working on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Is it ever going to see the the light of day? I don't know. You know, it's interesting because you look back through, you know, Mazda marketing materials and they're basically wedded to the rotary almost to a fault. You know, is it practical today to put out a triangle powered car? Probably not. You know, when piston cars are as efficient as they are, Mazda's still developing. You know, they have like a high compression non-spark ignition motor that they were working on. I don't know that that's in anything right now, but you know, Mazda kind of ends up doing this R&D on some really weird stuff. You know, like in the early 90s, they had that weird Miller cycle engine they put in the Millennia, supercharged, like a supercharged family sedan. So they kind of get weird, you know, for sure. But do I think the Rotary has a place in the future? Guys, I hate to say this, but I feel like electric is the modern yeah. Rotary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And rotary is just not efficient. No, no. How do they, if they could ever solve that, I mean, that would be, that'd be awesome. But Well, that's kind of the point. I mean, like what, you know, uh, <laughs> the whole reason we're going electric in the first place is just to like stop killing fossil fuel. And like, <laughs> you know, the RX, Rotary's just the like rotary glug, motors. Glug, are, glug, glug, yeah, glug. it's like, <laughs> not only does it suck down gas, but it also eats oil. It burns oil, yep. you know? That's a double factor, you know, that's like you're just going to kill it, you know. And then plus, <laughs> you know, there's a good chance you're going to be rebuilding your motor at some point, too, if not a couple times, depending on how long you keep the car. You know, it takes a lot to keep those things going and stuff. But we're probably kind of done, you know, seeing the rotary motors, which is sad. Yeah. But to like extrapolate that out, too, I almost feel like we're done seeing these really wonderful, lightweight, pure purpose cars the same way that we kind of grew up with they'd kind of package a minimalist sports car forever and you know now you can't get that as much people don't buy it as much people aren't interested but it's just a different type of packaging it's a different type of market and it's also impossible to package like all this safety you know how do you put like backup cameras and like 90 airbags in a miata and still stay 2500 yeah. pounds yeah, you know like yeah, mazda no. kind of has done it but it's a tall task to ask. It sure is. And then do you sell it? Yeah. You know, do people actually buy that? Or is it just something that people are kind of interested in? Yeah. You know? You're right about that. I think the market's changed. It feels like, you know, back when we were kids that there was, like you said, that sports car, that purpose-built, lightweight car, like they're everywhere. And now it's just kind of getting bigger, more safe, blah, 
<laughs> you know, it, it almost feels like there's more like hypercar type of stuff than there is like affordable sports car going on. Let's just do it. Damn the cost and damn everything. Let's just see if we can do it. But there's not, hey, what can Joe down the street, you know, afford to buy and have fun with? Like, that's not so much anymore. Right. You know, I feel like that was like the Mazda formula for the R7 for a long time. You know, they basically were just trying to like build something relatively competitive for a good price, put it out there, handle like crazy because the center of gravity is really low. The weight is all really low. The like whole drivetrain's like 350 pounds, maybe 450 if you're talking like the third gen engines. And they're just really compact and powerful. You know, Jeff, you're talking about like blowing them up and they blow up, but also that you have to think about like a 1.3 liter right. making 255 horsepower. It's insane. Yeah. Factory yeah, yeah. is stressed. Live it on the edge. Right. And I can't say that this is a real number, but I've heard people say that, you know, a stock keg properly tuned can do like 800, 900 horsepower, you know, and that's kind of ridiculous. You know, just when you think about it, it's it just, just kind of all comes down to just like this. <laughs> monster amount of fuel you're throwing into it turning it into fireballs like that's also the thing that's amazing about rotaries they're really good at making fireballs yeah yeah you know they're just so emotional and fun like i had my fc and basically you hit the pedal like you're just right about to hit into this like huge crescendo at the concert of your life like i think we talked about the concert that had what like six million people in russia or something yep yep and so imagine like you're there and then you just hit the you just hit the bass and you're like pop, 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 pop. and then fireballs come out. You know, I mean that's that's <laughs> this car. You're like anytime you redline it, you just get this boom at the back and it's just totally emotional. It is. And you're getting ten miles, twelve miles to the gallon at that yeah. point. Yep. But it's just fun. It's almost like as a kid, you always dream of like having a superpower. <laughs> and then you buy this car. And you're like, hey, I got a superpower that nobody else has, you know? And right? <laughs> like, here we go, yes. watch this. I didn't know, and I still don't know a ton about the RX-7s. Clearly, you guys both know a lot more than I do. But like when I was first really, really introduced to them, it was obviously from the Fast and Furious movie when when Dominic, what is it? Dom Toretto. Toretto, yeah. The only Japanese car he'll drive. Yep, that's right. Man, when he comes cruising in with that red RX-7, Oh, that's such an iconic scene and he's just like crawling through that crowd and he's just like like that i was like oh holy crap i need one of those i need one of those intro to that movie just made my life yes yeah it has that sequence where they follow the airflow through the rotary engine yeah yeah they have that three-dimensional cutaway and like everything catching on fire and just yeah yeah doesn't he blow like a does he blow up piston or what is like when he hits the nos or something oh he blows everything in the car but then somehow it keeps driving just fine ping 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 (laughs) he's able to run from the cops and yeah 20 gear transmissions yeah 20 gear (laughs) (laughs) shift 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 keep shifting (laughs) he keeps shifting yeah he does a quarter mile he does a quarter mile in 14 (laughs) minutes you know he shifts 111 times and yeah that's like such one of the weirdest scenes ever Still, I, I love that movie. One of the better automotive documentaries I've seen. And it's really, I'll be honest, at the time it was perfect. And I feel like every single one since has just almost been like a comedy. Like that first one, 
100%. I felt like I was in that scene and I knew people in my real life who felt like they're in that scene. And then like we get into some of like the third and fourth ones where they're doing like multiple flips through two bridges over a tank. Exactly. And I'm like, well, I don't actually know that guy. That's right. I don't know the guy with the tank. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The first one was like it was kind of relatable. Yeah, it was relatable. Yes, it was like the absolutely. most like pure. Now it's like heist movie. It's a heist movie. Yeah, the first one was an automotive movie that they added a plot to. And then they started like turning into, well, no, this is a movie series that, oh, it kind of has some cool cars in it from time to time. Yeah, it's not even about the cars anymore. Not to say that the movies aren't fun and enjoyable now, but it's not the same, obviously, as the first one. It doesn't touch on the same things. You don't feel that emotional pain like when Jesse loses. Yeah, right. You know, where you're like, oh, race wars. That's like a real thing. Yeah, I don't. You know? Yeah, exactly. That I don't care about a, a dude driving a Lamborghini through office buildings right. 40 stories up or something like that. Like, what? I don't care about that. Towing but, a bank vault with a charger yeah, police cruiser. It's like, okay, yeah. real cool. <laughs> you and Michael Bay can go have drinks when you're done. But like you said, that scene with Jesse, it was an emotional scene, you know, like, oh my gosh, his dad's going to kill him kind of a thing, you know? And I mean, there's a <laughs> lot of cheesy parts of that movie for sure, you know, but there's a lot of parts of it. Like I said, it's relatable. And we all had good friends that we would go racing around with and drag racing and things of that nature. And so it was just really cool that some of that stuff was spotlighted in such a way that we could reflect on our own memories while we're watching the movie and feel like, yes, finally they made a, a movie about our culture. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. You see Jesse post that bet up and it's like when you watch any horror movie and they show up at the haunted house. And you're like, no, yeah, don't, don't, go do in. don't go in there. <laughs> don't do it. Don't, Jesse. Don't race the S2K. Right. <laughs> he overnighted parts from Japan. <laughs> he overnighted parts from Japan. <laughs> That's right. I don't know why. I felt like I sounded like Seinfeld when I said that just now. He overnighted no. parts from Japan. He overnighted parts from Japan. You're going to lose, Jesse. When we got done watching that movie... I was still single at the time. I wasn't married. And I had recently bought my 96 BMW 318 Ti 5-speed. And then a friend of mine had a, I think it was a 99, 99 Mercury Cougar. You remember those mm -hmm. bubble yeah, cars? Baby. Yeah, those are sweet. <laughs> they were the Ford Probe after it died. Exactly, yep, yep. yep. And we got done watching that movie. And we came out, and we were like, we're fast and furious with that. <laughs> <laughs> we're like revving up and stuff, like flying through the movie theater parking lot. I was like, my car's a Euro. You know, it's from Germany. I got blinkers on the fenders. Look out. You know, <laughs> it was like so stupid. I was such, a, such an idiot. But, you know, I like Same. movies like that, you know, where it like gets you pumped up and you're like, I want to be a totally. part of that too, you know, yeah. and. Yeah. It was such a fun movie. This is kind of weirdly old school, but when I was a kid, my dad was really into Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Uh, aren't we all? <laughs> all right, so I mean, who isn't? Right? We would watch like Bloodsport and things like that. Yeah. And I'd watch those movies and I would just like want to go annihilate all evil, you know? <laughs> and that's exactly how that movie made me feel. I went out to my 1990 Volkswagen Jetta. Right. <laughs> but I right. just riffed it. You know, like, you feel so good. But think about that for a second, okay? Now, again, tapping into that for a second. Watching Bloodsport, things of that nature, yes. I remember feeling the same way, watching Chuck Norris movies, you know, whatnot. 
thinking like, you know, karate kid. I'm like, ah, you start spinning around doing kicks and stuff as a kid. Because again, it's something that seems attainable, something that I, oh, I could see myself doing that kind of a thing, you know? And then Fast and Furious was able to do that with the car scene. But then now it's like Fast Furious 7 and all this other stuff. Like I said, where they're driving Lamborghinis through office buildings, you know, high rises and stuff like that. You walk out of that going like, okay, well, the popcorn was pretty good, don't you think? Yeah. You're not walking out of it feeling like, oh, I want to get in my car and go rip it, you know? No, you don't at all. Excellent point. I think that's what we're all looking for when it comes to movies, when it comes to music, when it comes to comedy, Mm -hmm. when it comes Mm -hmm. to podcasts, when it comes to everything. We're looking for something that we can relate with. And when you have that special bond with the comedian or with whatever, you know, the comedian goes up there and starts making jokes about printer paper or something like that. It's like, okay, neat, you know, but when they start making jokes about stuff that he was doing as a kid that we were all doing as a kid, or if he's making jokes about like his wife that like everybody's wife goes through, it's all relatable. And that's why everybody gets a laugh. And that's why everybody can feel that connection, you know? And that's, that's the thing that all those movies like too fast, too furious to me is they lost that connection. Now they're high production. Don't get me wrong. There's some good seats, the ejecto seato cuz and stuff like that. You know, there's some good scenes in that. But for the most part, it was just the connection was gone. And then Tokyo Drift came out and I was like, <laughs> I was like what? what is this disaster? And then I just kind of lost it from there. But they did regroup and come back and do some pretty good movies, you know, but once Dwayne Johnson got involved, it just turned into <laughs> just a disaster. What about, isn't Jason Statham in them now? Yeah, too? yeah. Now there's it's like almost Hobbs like and the Shaw Expendables and, or whatever. It is <laughs> oh, bummer. It's sad too. Like he actually had a pretty good series of movies. That Driver, yeah, series of movies. Do you remember that? He had all these BMWs, and those were really kind of enthusiast driven because they were really just about the car and the dynamics. And it's just this one guy the whole time, and so it's a little bit more. You know, he's trying to work out the social aspect of the woman in his trunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good movie, though. <laughs> How do we do? We've all know? had that yeah. problem before, right? That's right. We've yeah, all we been, speaking of yeah. relatable. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Talk Women about a busy weekend. Am I right? How many... <laughs> That's so funny. That's actually funny because I was watching Golden Girls. Don't judge me. I was watching Golden Girls the other day, and there's a scene where like one of them is talking about getting in the trunk of a car. She's like dating this actor who's trying to hide her. What? <laughs> so, so they're like under the radar. She had to like get in the trunk to hang out with him and stuff. It's real. It's, it's Rose. So she's not the brightest. Oh, okay. Man. Okay. Golden sweet Girls girl. is great. She's a man. sweet, sweet girl. <laughs> I love that it's sort of universal like this. Right. How are we talking about RX7s and then Golden Girls? Like. <laughs> 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 well, we use J- Jason Statham Jason's as a bridge. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I get you. I get you. I get you. Jeff, so you said you were first introduced to RX-7 with Fast and the Furious. First notable introduction. Yeah. Oh, yep, man. Yep. Okay. So my mm. first exposure wow. to it was, when did that movie come out? Was that like 99? No, it was more like 2001 or two. I think. Anyway, I was in high school like when it came out, close to graduating, I think. 2001. 2001, okay. So... My first exposure to the RX-7 was a little bit before that, was maybe four years before, and I was playing Gran Turismo. Back in the day, you know, the good old days, the cousins would all get together and the family would get together at my grandparents' house and Christmas vacation, and and someone brought their PlayStation, and they had Gran Turismo. When you get that game, you start a career or whatever, you know, you only have a very small amount of money, and so you have a very limited amount of cars that you can purchase. And I think one of the early ones that I got was an RX-7. 
it just always kind of stuck with me. So that that was my first exposure to it. What about you, Julian? So kind of the same. My first like real exposure to it. So I had an 86 RX-7 that I ended up owning because my car wasn't great. And I saw it for sale down the street. And that kind of like sparked my engineering interest. Like that was probably 98, 1998. It was an 86 2nd Gen FC. Normally aspirated coupe. It was tornado gray with like a maroon interior. Just a super nice car. Really slick. Ran great. And like as a kid, I didn't really understand the motive power of it. But around that time, I also saw for the first time a third gen. And I remember seeing it from a pretty good distance and just thinking, oh my gosh, they make a coupe version of the Miata. But getting up close, it's just this really simple but muscular design that plays up on that. And I just remember reading about the like engine and how crazy it was. It blew my mind, you know, that there's this one company that just was kind of doing their own thing in a sense, and that it worked. <laughs> that was like the that was like the miracle of it all. That they did something different and it was still functional. My first real experience was seeing the second gen FC in Tornado Gray and it just, you know, kind of inspired my like technical mind to like dig into it. But then seeing a third gen was probably one of the most impactful moments of my life. You know, you just see this thing and then you understand that they've gone above and beyond to try and engineer something that's just completely different. To me, it's kind of like when, so when I was growing up, they didn't really have sushi anywhere. I don't know if you guys grew up with like sushi joints or no. They had like Japanese <laughs> steakhouses and of stuff, Nebraska. right? Well, we <laughs> yeah, did right? Mr. Nickelodeon. Even in even in Savannah, Georgia, and yeah. Florida, though, okay, where they have fish right there, this was like not a huge thing probably until like the middle of the nineties, two thousands, when I started seeing like sushi restaurants that were like a big deal. And the RX Seven kind of reminds me of that. It's this really minimalist clean pure design they're just giving you almost nothing in a sense but it's nothing more than you need and so compared to like a camaro or a corvette that's just like beef yeah yeah <laughs> show me the beef <laughs> yeah. rip it good double quarter pounder with cheese it's interesting when i think about the seven because it's not the kind of car like everybody is gonna just go and enjoy it's not this like beefy gravy. You have to really enjoy revving something out, like using it to its complete maximum. That FD is like, yeah, it's such a timeless God. design, like the shape Legendary. and the lines. And it's, just, yeah, yeah. It's, it is, it's a legend because like you look at, you know, I know I was talking a little trash about Instagram, but it also, it's a, you know, in, in the car community, but whatever, it's also is still a great place to, to see some really good pictures. And you see, some of these folks that have put so much work into these FDs and it's like, you look at it, I'm like, this this car is over 20 years old and the design and it's like, it still looks awesome. Right. It's still relevant. They have an FD that runs Time Attack and I want to say like, it's still a leader. Like this is in 2018, we're seeing FDs win like Australian Targa rallies. I mean, that's a you know a twenty year old design, and it just it was so good then that it's just still good. 
it's amazing mechanically i mean and just the whole package that they put together for the performance i mean it is still is legendary and then the body the look is legendary i mean it's just the fd is like perfect vehicle yeah yeah even to this day okay so for example let's think of the different generations so three different generations fbf cfd you see an fb obviously you know that's a cool rx7 for the purist you know what i mean where it's like you see that and you're just like oh that's cool i just saw a first gen rx7 that's really neat you know i don't think that you see that and like turn your head and be like oh my gosh did you you know it's not that kind of a car it's kind of derpy you know it's cool for its era definitely derpy it's yep, a kind of derpy you know <laughs> It's kind of like the nerdy kid who is actually also kind of good at athletics, you know. <laughs> Especially if they got those those mirrors like way out of way out of on the, the fenders, the yeah. Hood, you know exactly. But then the second gen, the FC comes out, and I was like, "Whoa, hey, you know, this is kind of cool." And it was very much rad era car, and to me, I think it's probably one of the top three rad era cars, you know. And it's something that you see; it is a part of its time. And that's why I like the FC so much is it's such a part of its time, you know, but then you look at the FD and it's like, that's the car, like to this day, you see one and it's a head turner. It's, it, you saw unicorn, you know, when you see one, it's like, it oh my gosh, is. and you never see him trashed, you know, uh, at least I don't, I never see him trashed. You, when you see him, it's like, well, cause I think it's such an investment. Yeah. It's so rare. Yeah, so it's kind of like when you see like a 3000 GT or something like that today, there's a good chance it's going to be a hunk of junk, you know. But when you see one of these FDs, you're just like, whoa, you know, got to chase that down and stare at it a little bit longer. It was like a flash, at least in like in the United States. Boom. And it was gone. So I know we did this last week. We were talking about the ZX, the 300 ZX. And this is that was in the rubber lounge. But we were talking about what our favorite generation is of it. So, Jeff, you know, I think you kind of tipped your hand already, and I think I'll join you with that. I'm going to say, you know, the FC, you know, the 86 to 91 is probably my favorite gen of the RX-7. I owned an 86. That was like my first car. It was an 86 oh. RX-7, and I... Love you, Nate. I lament, I will lament forever, you know, getting rid of that car because I don't think I fully appreciated it when I had it. You know, I had it for such a short time. I'm actually going to agree with you. I think the FC, to me, is probably the unicorn but i i personally think that the fc is my favorite because it is attainable and my favorite era of cars is the 80s and i think it epitomizes all of that and so anytime that you have a pop-up headlight car in the 80s i'm gonna be a fan of it you know but i just love the overall styling of the fc i think it's just so fun you know and like again don't get me wrong the fd is like whoa get down on your knees and like woo you know that thing is awesome you know we're not worthy but still i would probably pick an fc over an fd because the thing is i will drive an fc and fd is going to sit in the garage because i don't want anything to happen to it <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so i think we might be unanimous on this yeah because i'm totally an fc fan and part of it is i'm not gonna lie like i'm a little older and i am a little bit more responsible and the fd is complicated like, I love it, and it's a masterpiece, but it's also, like, over-engineered in a lot of ways. And so much of that DNA from the FC really ended up in the FD. So a late-model FC is so much closer to an FD technically than people really give it credit for. 
you know, the motor is basically by 9091, almost the same exact engine. Sure, yeah. Totally capable of making the same power. Internally, there are some like really, really minor tweaks, and they change like where a seal seats and some things like that, and like the 92 and up RX7s, but no one even agrees that that was like a great decision. <laughs> you know, the, yes, yeah. the, the third gen popped more motors than the second gen. And the second gen was the car that like actually, actually, and I say this about all gens, but like RX-7s were always race cars. And I feel like Mazda has always done a really good job of like producing a car you can take to the track. You know, the Miata being the infinite example to the universe, you know, the Miata being the answer the to answer all. The answer is always Miata. To all things. Yeah. But but if you want a fixed head coupe, RX-7 is like, that might be the real answer. And I always thought that they were, like, aside from just being, like, a sporty car, they're just insanely practical. You know, they're this hatchback format. You could, like, put more than just groceries in it and just hit the streets and go. So FC has always kind of held my heart. Either you get, like, those rectangle headlights that are really 80s or the round headlights that are just totally iconic, too. And pop-ups, those angular lines with the creases in the body. At the time, kind of trumping the Porsche 944, but in my opinion, like a little bit softer overall. Like when I see a 944 right now, it actually looks a little bit chunky, where the 7 looks a little smoother and maybe a little more modern in that way. I can get that, yep. Yeah, so I'm FC all the way. You know, the FD is a total masterpiece, but it's almost like too complicated like you know is the juice worth the squeeze is a 25 to thirty five thousand dollar car worth it when i can get that same car for you know nine tenths of that car for 10 or 11k right and i feel like it's a good comparison like look at the mustangs for example you know the fc is kind of like the fox body it's iconic it's got an iconic look super capable it's simple lots of power lots of fun to be had you know it's got a sex appeal to it and it's a car of its time and then like you look at like a say like a 2015 shelby cobra or something like that we're like whoa you know and like that thing just put out crazy amount of horsepower it sounds insane and you're like yeah i'd take one of those you know but it's kind of a unicorn kind of a thing you see one you're like dang you know you stare at it really hard for a long time you know but you're like okay that was fun over to my fox body yeah (laughs) You know, what is that sticker for? Right, right. right. I mean, well, I could buy 10 Fox bodies. Well, and that's a good point, too, because it's like, even if I had like Leno money, right? I I don't think I'm going to be, I would, I'm going to be, I'm like, look at me, I'm all for sure. I don't think I would be that guy that would be like, you know, I have all these supercars and Bentleys and all this stuff in my garage. No, I mean, we've talked about this before, you know, I'm going to have an FC, I'm going to have a 944, I'm going to have a 318 TI, I'm going to have, you know, all these cars that might put out 150 to 250 horsepower, you know, because to me, that's fun, and it's unattainable. And it's something that I'm not worried about having to put jet fuel in it. I'm not worried about having to put $4,500 tires on and you know, stuff like that. Right. I feel like all of us would be the same way. When I play these, these video games, like going back to like Gran Turismo or like Forza or, uh, you know, whatever, those are the those are the two main ones. It's like, yeah, like you can eventually you earn money by winning races. You earn enough money to buy these fancy pants supercars. But it's like I would spend more of my time, you know, buying 10 old cool cars that I have these connections with rather than spending my money on like one or two of these hyper cars, you know. 
it was just so much more fun to do that. And like the, the fancy cars, yeah, they're cool and they can go fast and I'm sure it's fun, you know, to drive those, but the old ones, the rad cars. Yes. Got my heart, you know? Well, that's the thing. I think that there's different experiences had in those two types of cars, right? Like a supercar to me is it's an experience driving and then that's about it. I don't feel like you build memories in that kind of a car. You know what I mean? Like your memories are like, oh, I hit 140 or I hit 200 or something like that, you know? I wrapped it around a telephone pole. Right, right. It's <laughs> it's not like I picked my baby up at the hospital. Right, exactly. It's not a memory of me and <laughs> yeah. my friends were going around cruising and stuff one night. And, you yeah, know, or yeah. my, my girlfriend and I, you know, parked for the first time and had our first kiss or something like that. You know, it's, it's not those kind of memories. So I think that it's cool that there's companies like the Extreme Experience company out there. I don't know if you guys are, mm -hmm. I think you're familiar with it. So like. I think it's the extremeexperience.com or something like that. And they go around on tour all over the United States and they give you the opportunity to spend a couple hundred bucks and drive a Ferrari or Lamborghini or something like that. And, and that's cool. And I think that that's what those supercars to me for our kind of driver, I think that's what they're kind of intended for, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Whereas, yeah. Yeah. you know, these cars, the FC and the Fox bodies and, you know, uh, Nissan Pulsar, you know, whatever. There's so much more to be had in that, you know, because and it's not even a money factor. It's just the fact that you're not afraid to drive that car and you're not afraid to get underneath it and fix that car. You know, and you're not afraid to have those experiences and stuff, you know, and, and there's way more to do in that car than doing 200 miles an hour. You know what I mean? And so and customize it, you can do this and you can do that. And to me, as far as I'm concerned, and I know like there's differences of opinion all over across the board, you know, when it comes to car enthusiasts and stuff, but that's the one thing I really enjoy about you guys as my friends is that, and I think that's why we really drafted towards each other is that we really enjoy the fact that there is something to be had about a simple car that costs 1200 bucks. You know, and there's something about that, that you can take something that simple, that's just some metal and some plastic, and you can just have a rip roar and hilarious fun time and something like that, you know, and that's the one bond I think that you and I, you know, you guys and myself, we really share in that, but you know, we're car enthusiasts all the way through. Obviously we talk a lot about electric cars, you know, which is a hot thing right now. We do talk about supercars and we do have our finger on the pulse on motorcycles and stuff like that. But I think our heart is in these kind of like the FC and stuff like that, you know, and I think that this is a good car. I'll, I'll stop rambling here in a second, but I think this is a good car that epitomizes what tire kicker is and what it's going to be, you know, and it's like we have big visions of what this thing's going to do, you know, and where we're going to go with tire kicker and stuff like that. But the one thing true and true is the DNA is these type of cars, these rad cars, you know, and that's what it's all about. Very well said, Jeff. I totally agree with you. You know, we didn't talk about the FB a lot. And honestly, you know, I don't know a lot about it. It is, though, like when I do see the FB, that first gen, I still think they're a cool looking car. Oh, yeah. I still, oh, yeah. I would, I'd love yeah. to. It's, it's something I think that I would I'd still want to experience at some point, you know, get up close with one and, and you know, drive one. And I've been in one before. I don't know if you guys have. I've never driven mm -hmm. one. I've driven in one before. And it's one of those cars where your butt is on the ground, like your, right. your <laughs> knees are up higher than your eyebrows, you know, and it's like, yeah. I love that feeling. They did a great job with it. It's a total 70s, early 80s car, kind of clunky and kind of. 
it makes a lot of weird noises and stuff like that you know it has a weird smell but it's an experience you know and it's fun it's not something that you're gonna be like holy crap hold on you know nothing like that but it's fun but when i see those cars you know what i always think of i always think of hot wheels i mean i had like a hundred <laughs> sure. of those rx7 hot wheels you know right <laughs> nice nice I'm actually really excited because they finally made a second gen Hot Wheel. And it was like basically missing from their lineup my entire life, I feel like. Because they always had the first gen. Then they came out with the third gen, which everybody obviously is just super gung ho about. But I feel like the FC just always got like mad disrespect. Honestly, until probably the past couple of years, I feel like Hertrek at Hoonigan having an FC kind of brought it back into the limelight. And then maybe a tiny bit, like there's a little bit of. Initial D, there's a show called Initial D, which is an import that kind of centers around these early 90s Japanese import cars. And one of the main characters has an FC. And he's kind of like this mastermind character. He's more of like a technical engineering mind than like a racer, so to speak. But so I think that like it's gotten a little bit more popular recently, you know, and I think that nostalgia factor is coming back. I'm sure you guys have heard of the musician The Weeknd. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's got that video that has a really sick FC in it. And, you know, it's just like, it's a piece of this culture. I want to say Boys in the Hood back in the day had Ooh, an FC yeah, in it. I think you're right. You know, like, just bitching, you know, bitching FCs. And I think nostalgia, like you're talking about, plays a huge factor, Jeff, in like anything that we love. My wife and I met her, had a 99 Passat. And like, I'll be honest, I would never think they were, you know, if I were to try and describe it to somebody you know, it'd be hard for me to be like, this car is just a, a wonderful car. But I had so many great memories. We like did cross country road trips and it was just, you know, it's just, a, it was a great car. And then I'm sure people have like that same experience with a Toyota Corolla, Camry, you know, you name it. And, you know, so much about owning a car is like the memories you're making. Circling back to the RX-7, like I've, I've made great memories in RX-7s. You know, they make great noises. They do stupid car things. They let you screw up. They let you be human. Like back when cars would let you be human and like mess up and like maybe you over brake and yes. you end up in the middle of the intersection right. or you over gas <laughs> and you end up in the bushes. Yeah. You know, like that, I miss that. that was right. Yeah. I, I kind of miss that too. I, it makes you, you a know? better driver. It does. You, you realize like, oh, I actually should take some responsibility yes. for my freaking decisions yeah. right yep. now. Yep. Yep. You know, Cars right now, it's just like pedal to the floor and they kind of protect you. And yeah, <laughs> they got all the radar and the, and yes. the collision yeah. avoidance and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's taking the driving yeah. skill and responsibility out of it. Yeah, it's not an experience anymore. It's just A to B, you know. It really is. And yeah. It's sad. You know, we were talking about earlier how like car companies in the 80s, like they basically had to have a sports car. And like that's the metric by which they were really competing with each other. Who has the cool sports car right now? Well, it's Nissan, it's Mazda, it's Chevrolet, it's whoever, it's Ford. You know, and it kind of like year to year, they'd have this competition where they're trying to like basically one up each other. And now it's got to the point where like, okay, well, you have 2,000 horsepower, you go 300 miles an hour, and you cost nine Brazilian dollars. You know, it's just <laughs> absolutely stupid. Right. You know, and it's gotten to the point where it's just, hopefully they come back down a little bit and make just fun cars again but i'm not i'm not sure i'm honestly like maybe i'm a little bit of an old codger usually i'm a pretty heavy optimist but i don't wonder if that time has passed because like what they're competing to build now are like couches 
yeah. with a yeah. good stereo. It's like a flip. Like, you're right. Like, back in the day, it was the sports car was the metric, and the sedan was the also ran or whatever the, oh, by the way. Yeah. And now it's opposite. You know, the sedan is how the family hauler is how they're measured, and the sports car is, is you know, this dying breed that you may or may not get from, depending on what manufacturer you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I also think, too, it's like it could be attributed to generations, but I think that eras of cars fit a certain, I guess, experience. And so what I mean by that sure, is like if you sure. think about like yeah. 50s, 60s, 70s cars, uh-huh. you know, everybody thinks of drag racing. You know, I mean, uh-huh. you, to this day, when you go out to a drag strip, you know, when you're driving around town, you don't see a lot of 50s, 60s, 70s cars, you know, just drive around town. But you go to a drag strip and probably 90 percent of them are going to be that. Occasionally you get an 80s car, occasionally get a 90s car, obviously a lot of Fox bodies. But when you think of 80s cars, to me, those were cruising cars. You know, those were the zipping around and doing some fast, fun things and stuff like that with your buddies and showing them off at the at the Sonic. And, you know, I got T-tops on mine, you know, things of that nature. And it was all about, like, how cool you look in it, not about what kind of horsepower it had and things of that nature. You know, the 80s and 90s was all about, like, the sleek style and the aerodynamics and the stereo systems and, you know, things of that nature. And so it's more of a fashion type of a statement. I agree. And that's probably totally what lent itself into the early 90s and 2000s, the like huge modify mods era, you know, where people were basically hyper customizing, hyper personalizing these things because they are almost like a, they're like an Armani jacket or a hat that you choose to wear. You know, there are these style icons and then like just trying to be more individualistic through that. And then today, <laughs> you know, so many things were like you could buy at Pet Boys and like stick it on your car for like 10 or 20 years. There's like a, a window of time you could modify any car with this like whole row. Of <laughs> yeah, totally. Things. Yeah, I remember and that. Yep. Now we're like, you mean the bullet no holes and the air intake, <laughs> right? The bullet holes. Oh, it's funny. There's a lot of truth to that. Think about it. Like when I had my CJ5, you know, I had a 350 in it. And, you know, it's just one day I just got a wild hair at my butt and I went down to Champion Auto, just kind of walk around, just like looking around at stuff as I always did. And I just love the smell of those places. And, and I was like, you know what? There's a dress up kit over here. I'm going to go ahead and buy that. So I bought an Edelbrock dress up kit and slapped it on one afternoon. And, you know, it's like, you can't do that now. You know, you can't be like, you know what? I'm going to throw some chrome on my Lincoln motor. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's just, you can't do that stuff. You know, it's like, they don't even want to change in the oil. Yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of really cool cars that are still coming out today, but it's just a put your foot on the floor and go thing. And it's not the same. And like, we talk about this all the time, but like, you know, taking away those manual transmissions and stuff and, and like what you're saying, Julian, just a few minutes ago about, you know, stomping on the floor to break and not hearing the tire squeal and stuff like that. The engineering behind it is impressive and it's there to save our lives and stuff like that. But again, I to me, I really feel like people today that are learning to drive today are nowhere near as good of a driver as what our generation was. You know what I mean? Yep, I do. 100%. You know, I think about that all the time because when you can make mistakes and when you have to be responsible like that. You have to be responsible. What I see now is like people are just really distracted. The car is a little bit of this like safety bubble that they're in, and maybe they're doing their makeup or maybe they're having lunch 
while they're headed down the street. That experience is so buffered to them. You know, if they were to run over a pedestrian, they might just keep going. You know, like there's just like this disconnect, I think, between like the thing that you're doing and the level of danger. Well, that's what I'm and saying. The level of responsibility. Think of the cars that we were driving, right? When we were teenagers and stuff like that. Now imagine trying to text, looking at your Facebook, you know, stuff like that while you're trying to drive that car. Right? There's no Our way. don't even have cup holders. No. You know? No. <laughs> like, between the legs. Like, like where I was gifted at was I was gifted at driving a five-speed, smoking a cigarette with a Mountain Dew bottle between my legs and eating a sandwich all at the same time. You know, like as I was driving and shifting gears and stuff like that. Like that was impressive to me. But there's no way I could have been distracted enough to be like on a smartphone and stuff like that. And I remember when I got my first phone. And I was like, I tried like using it once while I was driving. I was like, I put that thing down. I was like, there's no way I can drive the, my stick and all this other stuff with my phone. You know, I'm like trying to hold it with my shoulder and shift gears and everything. I was like, this is stupid. You know, it's such a problem today with distracted driving with people being on their phones. And I'll be the first to admit it. I do it quite a bit. You know, I text and drive, and unfortunately, and, and nobody it's should. It's so easy to do. It is so easy to do. Know? That's the problem is because it's a boring exactly. experience now. Because you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything. You're, you're not actually bored. involved in the damned experience. You know, I had an automatic for a while, yep. and I drove like garbage. Yeah. Yep. You know, it wasn't anything to do with the car. You know, it wasn't so different from the car I have now. It's just like I wasn't doing this thing. You're not doing anything mechanically. That was a part of right. the process. Right. And so I was able to ignore it. I was able to just listen to the radio or just literally yes. like you, at that point, you look out the window sideways because who cares? You don't have to know how fast you're going. You don't have to know what revs you're doing. You don't have to really pay attention to the engine yep. at all. And so you don't. So you don't. That's another point is like they have sealed off the driver from the mechanics of the car so much that it, it, it isn't an experience anymore. It is just a vessel. Don't get me wrong. When you drive in a car and you can't hear anything on the outside, it's pretty impressive, you know, and you're just like, oh, I can, I can whisper to my wife and stuff and she can hear me and everything like that's impressive. But when you drive like a, an 88, whatever, <laughs> and all you're hearing is, you know, and you're like hearing the squeaks and the rattles and stuff at every single bump that you hit and stuff like that. Like to me, like I miss that because you feel like you're a part of that car. You almost feel like it's also a person, you know, like you wouldn't push that car the same way you wouldn't push your new car. You know, because you hear it suffering. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yep. <laughs> well, it's gotten to the point now where like, I don't know how long I've been doing it for, but instead of hearing the actual engine noise, they pipe engine noise into the car, like artificial engine noise to make it feel, I guess they're trying to make it feel more like that original authentic experience. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's how do they miss that point so easily? Right. Have you guys seen that video of the vision? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So the Mercedes vision, AVTR a few weeks ago, there was some reviews and test drives videos of this car and i've seen this in magazines and stuff you know before it's basically like a concept car and whatnot but they want to actually bring this to production and again i think we've talked about elon musk talking about like his teslas are a computer that drives and that's essentially what this mercedes vision is it's full-on a computer that drives and there's no steering wheel 
so I think I saw like maybe the Super Bowl commercial. Is this the one where there was like autonomously driving and it yes. moved sideways to park? It them? can strife. Yeah, it can strife. strife? Yeah. yeah. So as you're driving, it literally has like a hand joystick in the middle, not like a joystick like an '80s you know Pac-Man game, but like you place your hand on it and it's like a raised, almost like pyramid. And it moves by shifting your hand around. So you turn corners by, you know, moving your hand around on this thing. And then if you want it to strife or whatever, you want it to go left and right real hard, then you can pull up and it pops out. And then you move that to the left and to the right. And the tires then roll left and right, almost like the back. This Batmobile. thing looks like something uh-huh. out of the abyss, like James Cameron. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's insane. It's like an alien vessel. It's insane. And I mean, wow. don't get me wrong, it's super cool. And I'm just like, it weirds me out, though. It weirds me out. Big right. Time. But the fact that human beings were able to make this, it's incredible. So kudos yeah, to the designers sure. and everybody, engineers that went behind that. But to me, I was so sad because I'm just like, this is it, man. This is that part from WALL-E, you know, that we're going to be up in the <laughs> spaceship just sipping, getting fat, yeah. you know, and having everything do everything for us. You know, and it just it makes me sad. And also like a joy sucker, because you can't just like hit the pedal and do burnout. It's a a one and done thing. It's a one and done thing. It's a one trick pony as far as I'm concerned. It's it's cool, but it's like you drive in it once and you're like, okay, that was neat. Yeah. To me, it'd be like, just put me in stowage on an airplane, transport me to my next destination. In the meantime, I'll take a Dr. Pepper and some peanuts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it kind of reminds me of... The cars, like, I don't know if you guys ever saw the Minority Report, that movie yeah. that's in, like, the yeah, early yeah. Yep. 2000s with Tom Cruise. You know, they had all the self-driving cars. and Yeah, they had a really cool Lexus in it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they had a tie-in with that, yeah. yeah I kind of get that vibe from this. And also that joystick thing reminds me of back in the day when Discovery actually used to have, like, cool stuff on their sh- on the channel, you know, like actual documentaries and stuff instead of stupid TV shows. They had, you know, they're just talking about like weird or, or unique like engineering things. And there's this car that had, it was a similar thing, but it was like more like 80s, 90s style, had like a joystick in the middle. Instead of a steering wheel, they were talking about how this is so much better if you to steer the car with this like flight style joystick in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought of that when I saw that god awful mound in this Mercedes. I would kind of do that. I might do a joystick. I might try yeah, it. Yeah, I think you know? that would well, be cool. Yeah, to try it, but... I've done like a lawnmower with the two arms. Like, why not? But again, to me, that's more mechanical. I think the lawnmower with two arms is more mechanical than a rider with a steering wheel. You know, and I think that's what it is. I think that's the difference is like we want to, you know, have that experience of being a part of that vehicle. Once you understand, like once you in into it, you figure out how that mower with the two arms works and like then that's just like an awesome control interface you know yeah don't they have like uh pallet jacks or like forklifts that kind of steer the same the same type of way yeah well i was gonna say that's a whole nother experience i used to drive forklift back in the day and i tell you what that was fun anybody that likes mechanical stuff (laughs) that's taking it to a whole nother level you got all sorts of knobs and pulleys for that thing yeah i think that our grandkids are not going to ever experience cars the way that we did. Nah. Absolutely not. Yeah, I agree. Totally. You look at our grandparents, right? Our grandparents were experiencing cars the way that we experienced cars. Our grandchildren will not. It's purely going to be A to B at that point. Oh, speaking of which, okay. So I got to tell you guys, this, this is going to be great. 
my wife and I, I was having kind of a bad week or whatever a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, I just really needed to pick me up and stuff. And so my wife's like, hey, let's go for a date. And I was like, what do you want to do? And she's like, I don't know. We'll just, we'll just wing it. We'll figure it out. And sometimes that's like the best dates to go on, you know. And she's like, what do you want to eat? And I was like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of everything around town and everything. I was like, I really miss this hero sandwich from the town I grew up in. I haven't had it in years. And I would love to have that. And she's like, let's do it. So we went on a road trip to my hometown. And there's this little hero deli you know on this little corner of this little strip mall that's been there for eons and stuff that's kind of forgotten but somehow still open we went there had the sandwich and i was like oh man it brings back so many memories i was like you got to take a bite of the sandwich and so she because she got her own thing and so she takes a bite and she's like oh my gosh i'm like that's what i'm talking about right you know i was like i'll never taste a sandwich like that again you know but anyways so then I was like, hey, you know, let's drive around town. Let me just kind of talk about some memories and, and things of that nature. And so we're just driving around and we're talking like, yeah, over here I did this. Over here I did that. Over here I saw this. And then, I, yeah, I talk about this buddy here and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? Let's go cruise the square. You know, my hometown, we had this big square. It was probably like, probably like a mile each direction. And it was a perfect square all the way around. And it's like four lanes on three of the, you know, three quarters of the square. So it was great with all these stoplights. You can drag race and you can wave down chicks and all this other stuff. You know, there's, I just, I spent so many hours and miles going around this square of my hometown, you know, as a teenager. And so we went and it's a Friday night. And so I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, this is going to be banging. It's going to be full of kids, you know, and this is probably a bad time to be doing this and stuff. You know, I'm an adult. I'm going to go cruise in the square, you know, of my hometown <laughs> and everything. And then I'm going to be amongst all the teenagers and stuff, you know, my Lincoln. And so we're driving around and stuff. And, and then it dawned on me and I started looking around. I was like, there's nobody driving. It was just a couple more adults. You saw a couple semis here and there, you know, it's just like a normal time. And I'm like, what? And so I'm like, oh, there's a there's a high school football game going tonight. Maybe everybody's there. And and then it just sunk in. I was like, it's just nobody's doing that anymore. No. Everybody's yeah. at home. They're on totally their computers. Not. They're yep. doing the Facebooks and they're doing <sighs> their TikToks and playing yep. Minecraft or whatever, you know. And I was just like, <laughs> Yep. I was so sad by that. It made me sick just to think that so many people are just so hunkered into their their own thing that they can't go out and experience life like that anymore. So we have a Cars and Coffee. Yeah. And it's not kids. Yeah, it's not. It's just not. I mean, probably average age of the guy there now is 35, 40, you know, us, our ages. And it's just a completely different kind of environment. It's weird. It's really weird. I used to definitely like cruise the sun. I mean, even 10, 15 years ago, you know, that was still like the spot. You know, you could go to Sonic on a Friday night and there'd be a bunch of Yahoos with some really badly modified Civics and, you know, <laughs> you'd, like, go and like figure out yeah. who had the most colors on their, you know, or whatever. And, you know, it was a little cheesy and local, but it was, it was that. You know, it was like these guys just getting together, talking about their stuff and, you know, hanging around and chewing the fat. And like you said, you used to have like a square or a specific place where everybody kind of like ride around. And we definitely had that in Fayetteville. We had Fiesta Square. It's basically a dead zone now. And then had the same thing in Savannah. And I, I haven't seen it in, on the East Coast the same way, but it just isn't the same. Like you're saying, like even just the stuff that kids are driving these days, 
is like, well, maybe they've inherited their mom's Prius. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. They aren't inheriting the types of cars that are like going to really boil their blood because that's just not what's necessarily been made and available even for 20 years. Yeah, I know here in Lincoln, you know, the big thing is the Cruzo Street. I did that a, a good amount with a friends in high school. My friend Robert had a, I forget what year it was, a 90s Integra, I think. Mm-hmm. He had that thing nice. for a long time, and he beat up on that thing a lot. And <laughs> had a misadventure at one point with some nitrous. I think he blew a cylinder or something. Piston went out. Too strong of a shot there, but I remember, you know, him and I would go out just cruzo. You know, did that a few times with him and it's a good time. And I wonder, you know, since I'm an old man now, you know, I wonder I haven't been out, you know, I haven't done that in, in ages. So I wonder what it's like now. It's died down quite a bit. I used to live in Lincoln as well a few years ago, and we would just go out from time to time, you know, just to kind of get away from the kids for a couple minutes and stuff. And there's still some of it on O Street, you know, but it's the same thing. We used to go to Lincoln as well from my hometown to go, you know, because there's like Omaha, there wasn't a lot to cruise around because it's just so big. But Lincoln, you had O Street, which was basically like a strip, and then Fremont had the square, and then even the smaller towns like West Point and stuff like that, they had a small strip and everything. And but yeah, Lincoln was, dude, it was crazy. Like every time you go there, there'd be like guys standing on the corner of like 48th and O and they'd be like, do a burnout, you know, and everybody's trying yeah. to get you to do burnouts <laughs> and stuff. And, and like the, yeah, that stuff's yep. gone, you know? You know, I wonder if part of it's just the fact that like, I mean, that got to be a real problem. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I think the cops kind of cracked down on it. Street racing kind of got really dangerous for a minute. And then well, it's the horse you know, we're like a decade out on that. You know, we were talking about like people hanging out on Facebook groups and stuff instead, but like I've got a couple local tuner groups and that's really where the action is, you know, like they're not going to these like main city center types of locations because they're smart enough to like get together and go somewhere where there aren't people. Mm -hmm. It's different. It feels like that social part of it is dissolving somewhat, like just where like you just get together somewhere and like meet new people but part of that's just like because they don't want to get arrested. Right. Yeah. right. So they're, right. you know, they're doing the stuff that would be that like burnout on the corner kind of stuff. They're just doing it way off in the boonies in Mexico. Yeah. You know, well, if their cars will even allow them to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Fair. Well, yeah. The Julian, it's interesting you said Mexico because I'm like, I, uh-huh. you know, obviously yeah. I'm not. You know, I'm not hip with the kids lingo anymore, but someone had said something, you know, a while ago. They're like, yeah, you know, we're going to go to Mexico. Like, is it, they had yeah. a, a BMW. I can't remember what he had, but, uh, you know, descent, talking about that kind of thing, you know, he's a little, he's a mm-hmm. little younger than me talking about racing. And it's like, yeah, we're going to go to Mexico. That's yeah, a big deal down there. Well, no, no, no. Mexico is just like a tongue in cheek. It, yeah. It's like a code. It was like a code yeah. word or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is it for like racing? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, that's the idea. Like, you know, you're not going to get basically if you say you're going to go to downtown Bentonville and race, Mm -hmm. that's in a sense like its own indictment of you. Sure. So a lot of people basically will just say they're in Mexico. Gotcha. I mean, I'll be okay. honest, like, I guess I haven't heard that. Mexico, but like, I, you know, you're at a, a freaking McDonald's across from the Walmart, gotcha. you know, and I, I know that <laughs> intersection, you know, right. it's not Mexico, it's MLK, but I didn't get what it was at first either. I'm like, Mexico. And he's like, no, no, it's just, 
it's just a code for you know it's yeah it's, it's pocket lingo so it's a code for what like going racing or what is that yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. it's basically like you know if you're gonna go and race you know you're gonna get a group of guys together and you want to do some kind of backwoods racing yeah. but you don't want to get in trouble gotcha you know? so you don't want to say you hey you want to go it. to yeah i got you right I gotcha. you might advertise it as mexico and yeah, and you might post a video and you might say, oh, here's what happened in Mexico. So it's not like, well, hey, here's what happened on Highway 71 two days ago, <laughs> which the police can easily use to incriminate me. Yeah. Sure. I have absolutely no doubt that actual racing happens in Mexico. Yeah. It's also just like a blanket for, hey, we're doing some dumb crap. Yeah. Please, but we're not going to incriminate ourselves. I'll see people say like, hey... Anybody going to Mexico tonight? Right, which is that, basically like yeah. uh, you know underhand for who's going racing. You know, PM me if you want to try and lose some money. So yeah, so they've definitely gone down to actual Mexico to race and stuff. I follow thirteen twenty and I love their videos and stuff like that. And so I've seen them in different places and stuff. You know, racing. Uh, they've been to Abu Dhabi and all sorts of stuff. You know, but but yeah, they do have T-shirts and stuff, and it says it's more fun in Mexico. And then, like, their colors are, like, the Mexican flag colors and stuff like that. And then the description, Mexico, was in quotation marks. And it says, <laughs> we all like to go to Mexico every once in a while. Sometimes nice. it doesn't take longer than a few seconds. Sport your Mexican flag 1320 video logo on this Mexico. So that's kind of cool. So, yeah, so I guess I there's a code, and I didn't even realize it. Man, I'm getting old, guys. Holy smokes. It's okay, Jeff. It's right, right. You can We're hang out old. with us youngsters in our late 30s. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm just an old man. Well, see, that's kind of what I was, you know, again, when we were leaving town, you know, from my hometown and stuff, there's this old highway called Old Highway 8. That was where you went to go racing. It was way out in the boonies and stuff outside of town, and that was the space to go. It was nice and flat and out in the middle of nowhere, and you could see cars from all over the place coming if they're coming your direction and you knew it was probably a cop or something but you know part of me wanted to go down that highway on my way back and just go over to that spot and see if there was still big black marks and stuff you know from people doing burnouts and everything and but then i was like no i'm not gonna do it you know because i was like if it's not there it would crush me you know if it's mm. just a regular highway it just it would just crush me so i just I, I gotta keep it to in remain. my memory yeah, I want yeah. to keep it in my mind because I've raced my Shelby so many times there. I've been with my buddies so many times they're racing as well in their cars and stuff. And it's like, it was such a freaking fun time. And like, if it's just a dead memory now, like, ugh, it would crush me. So I think it's still going. I'm just going to say it's still going. Makes me feel better. Something that's kind of cool the place that we would kind of go after hours in Savannah, Georgia, we'd go across the river to this place that was an old F1 circuit that was abandoned. We'd kind of like break in. And they do real racing there now. My dad's got a buddy who's got an M3. He like flipped there and stuff. It's kind of cool to see that it's kind of just evolved into a professional version of what I was doing as a kid. And probably if I still lived in Savannah, I'd still be running that track. I just actually have like a $1,200 beater that I ran there intentionally. It's pretty cool. You know, nostalgia is a big deal. I do wonder like what my kids teenage years will be like, you know, like if for all in these like autonomous Ubers, where does that create the opportunity for a little bit of spontaneity, a little bit of like weekend adventure for them? Right. Right. It's just different. It's uh, a little more stale, a little more like 
confined and sanitary and just. You brought up something that's currently going on with my son. You know, he's 17. He's constantly like, I just don't know what to do with my friends. And because it's like every time that they go out, they always have to go do something, you know, like, oh, we're going to go to a movie or we're going to go to the to the model place and build models. And we're going to go. And I'm just like, why don't you guys just go drive? And he's like, what? And I'm like, just go. I was like, just call up your buddies and just be like, hey, let's just go drive. And he's like, well, what's fun in that? I was like, because you're just driving around and you're laughing about stuff and you're talking about things and you're quoting movies and you're just having fun being with your buddies, just kind of being dumb with nothing to do, just driving around and seeing other people driving around and stuff too. And he's like, huh, I never thought of that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, man, when I was your age, holy crap, I couldn't wait to get out and just go drive, you know? And he's like, well, where do we go? And I was like, just go around town, you know, just go find old highways and stuff to drive around, yeah. you know, and, you know, be safe. The cool thing is like when we were kids, we didn't have Google maps. We didn't have Siri. We didn't have these <laughs> things, you know, to get us back home. And it was like, well, guys, we've been going this way for about 45 minutes. I hope you guys know where the hell we're going. <laughs> and how We can get back. You know, that was part of the adventure, you know, but no. So that's something that he's actually going to do this weekend, I guess, with his with his buddies and stuff. They're going to give it a shot. They're going to see what it's like just to go cruising. All right. Make a mixtape. Good first step. I mean, they had to schedule it still, but, you know, right. working on it. <laughs> right. Still had to schedule it. Yep. What time are we having fun? That's right. Okay. All right. I'll be there. We're having fun. That's so funny. Well, anyways, RX-7. <laughs> yep. Let's pull it back here. So, How did we get obviously, here? <laughs> one of the coolest cars ever to yep. grace the streets. Mazda. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Big thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Probably six thumbs up from all of us here. Yeah, man. They put the work in. They sure did. They sure did. did. Anybody out there with an RX-7, please send us videos. Send us pictures. Send us, yeah, send us videos, uh, pictures. Yeah. You know, let us see your rides just, and stuff for sure. Yeah. Just send it. If you get just an RX-7, send just send it. Just send it. Just going to send it. Don't be silly. You know I'm going to send it. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's right. Well, speaking of which, so funny story. I will tell an embarrassing story about an RX-7 story that actually does include julian and myself Uh-oh. <laughs> i went down to fayetteville to visit his office you know one time let's see it was like a kind of a hot summer day and whatnot and you're like hey i got my rx7 outside you know what you want to take it at lunch and i was like yeah dude let's do it you know and here i'm dressed in like a black suit you know with a black shirt and everything and like full nebraska gear and you know, yeah. all my nebraska gear yeah right and here you are in your black rx7 with you know black interior and you had the top down and everything and <laughs> like let's go to lunch i'm like sweet let's do it you know so we hop into your car and it's like 100 degrees outside and inside of your car it's like 140 <laughs> And I'm a big dude, and it's like I'm uncomfortable at 72, you know. So it's <laughs> so anyways, so we take off, and your car's running a little rich. You got the convertible top, so you're smelling everything, and and we're just sitting there in some kind of gridiron traffic, you know, and not really moving. And like the sun's just baking on me, and it's just like oh my gosh, and all the smells and everything. And I started to go into like one of the worst anxiety attacks I've ever had in my life. And I'm like, hey, Julian, how far is this place? And he's like, oh, it's probably about 15 minutes. I'm like, do we have any place that, I don't know, within two minutes of here that we can go to? Because I'm not doing so good. 
So we ended up finding a pretty cool barbecue spot. It was a good time. But the great thing was, is when we left, you graciously let me drive your car. And that was a blast. That was my first time driving an RX-7, the only time driving an RX-7. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. That was so much fun. And I can't thank you enough for letting me drive that car. And that'll definitely be an experience I never forget because it was super embarrassing. (laughs) But it was also super fun, too. So, Oh, man. So I sold that car to a teenager and they have trashed it. No (laughs) No way. No way. They did? Are you serious? Oh, like in six months. You know, like it's so sad. But that's the tale. Yeah. That's the tale of the reasonably priced sports car so but, what happened like did he so he wrecked it <sighs> no no no. i mean so i saw it for sale again and like i had reupholstered it myself like i'd done a bunch of work and there's like tears in the seats and missing plastic pieces off the interior you know and oh, really? stuff like that and i know and you know i mean to be fair it's like it's a vehicle yeah, you know, like goodness. I can't hold somebody accountable for what they do with it once I've sold it and things like that. But yeah, it's like kind of a bummer, yeah. right? Again, yeah. like we talk about like the nostalgia and like the love we put into things and just like this, it doesn't always translate, you know, oh, yeah. like the kids today just really, maybe they just want to A to B. And sure. That's too bad. It is. Good car. I'll have another one. I'll have another one day. Well, I was going to ask you, Julian, earlier, you know, we were talking mm-hmm. about the FD, and I know you'd said that that was kind of your dream dream vehicle. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I love what you said, is the juice worth the squeeze kind of thing. So real. So real. You know, when you look at the prices of FDs right now, <sighs> you know, I mean, if you're looking at spending twenty five to $40,000 on a car, you have to really want an FD at that price point because it is in a lot of ways like a Lotus. You know, it's a very lightweight, fragile car. It has a lot of opportunities for things to go wrong. And so FD, people have said, stands for financial disaster. SD stands <laughs> for financial crisis. It's relatively accurate. You know, an FD is just so complicated and parts are so rare and expensive. It's much more reasonable to go spend, you know, fifteen or $18,000 on like a Mercedes SLK AMG or a Porsche Boxster or, 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 you know, any number of things that kind of like substitute into that. And maybe you're not getting the same juice out of that, but probably those are all still going to be fun enough, but without like that emotional pain of having to rebuild the motor or, you know, try and find a, set of sequential turbos well that's the thing to me i think the fd was similar enough to like a, say like a corvette if you like that body style and you want to go fast and you want to do fun things with it and stuff you can get same year of a corvette for like five grand <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and it's right. like rather than spending yeah. 45 grand you know and 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 something breaks on it you can go down and get it fixed you know it's not a big deal but yeah it's a tough spend it's definitely a, it's a garage car. I think if you ever get that Leno money, I'm sure you'd reserve a little bit for an FD. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. But that would be one of those cream of the crop cars. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a Ferrari. I could care less. I mean, they're cool. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to drive them and stuff like that, but I'm not going to have anything like that. I don't want to, you know, it's just going to sit there and be like, ah, oh, it's, 
it's not a part of me. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just expensive and sitting there. I'd have a sick FD every day of the week over a Ferrari or a Lambo or any of that stuff. And honestly, I'd even feel like better going places in it. I hate to say it, but like if you go to the gas station in a Lambo, it's a different type of like attention seeking than if you're going in like an NSX or an FD or like one of these cars that really has, you know, a little bit more of like a gentleman's fun car image as opposed to like just this like macho playboy lime green ostentatious kind of thing right well and speaking of which i took a funny video this was a few years ago i think i might have showed you guys but i was kind of having some fun with a guy in a lamborghini one day when i had my red ss hhr you know obviously that guy is gonna blow me out of the water you know but i was still kind of having some fun with them and everything like that just trying to see if i could get him to react and clearly he was reacting with me and it was funny and i had my wife in the car and everything and you know we took off at a light and stuff and we got video of it and took off at a light and clearly he just he just i just watched him fly away from me you know but when i took off i was ripping the tires pretty good in it and stuff and my wife didn't know that car could do that sort of a thing. And it wasn't anything impressive. It was just kind of funny. And she's like, holy crap. And I was like, oh, man, I forgot to turn the AC off. I totally would have had him. <laughs> <laughs> but nice. but the reason I'm telling this story is, is though, is that and maybe this is me to teach their own any Lamborghini owners or enthusiasts or whatever like that. This isn't a knock on you. But to me, I still think that that HHRSS was cooler looking than that Lamborghini was. You know, like there's a something about that bright red with those curves and stuff like that with those, you know, bright chrome wheels on it and everything. And then you have this yellow fast sports car, you know, it's like neato, you know, but there was nothing like eclectic about it. You know, there's no character besides it's just a fast, fat car. Yeah, totally. We we talk of a couple of buddies of mine and I talk about like enthusiast cars, like gateway cars where like if you see it, you kind of have to know you're an enthusiast. And like Lambos and Ferraris don't really do that. You know, you don't know that that person is really an enthusiast. You know, maybe they've got some money, but you don't really know if they have taste or not. You know, they might just have money. Same thing like the HHR, it has character, it has personality. You know, you just, you look at it and you you can kind of become friends with that in a way that you can't for these kind of like hypercars yeah it's just like it's a statement or it's you know yeah. it's like yeah i want yes i'm making a statement and i want you to know yeah. that i have a crap ton of money yeah i have a bunch of money and i'm better than you you know and it's like to me it doesn't it doesn't look like you're a car enthusiast it just looks like you just like to spend money absolutely and i think that's a great observation julian you know you and your friend have is you know yeah like if you see a certain car, you know, they're an enthusiast. Whereas if you see the supercar, they could be, or but they're probably not. What are some like S two thousand is one that kind of lands on that plate a little bit for me. Like the BM E thirties, yes, E forty sixes. I saw an E thirty yesterday, by the way, super nice. But yeah, and even like the Camilla MX five, you know. Yeah. To me, I don't know. I, I mean, I like the weird cars. I don't like the super weird cars like the Pontiac Aztec, you know, but I like the weird cars. I like the, you know, if I see somebody that's got a super nice survivor like Pulsar or something like that, I'm like, oh, good on you, man. And that's the kind of guy right? I'm like, I'm going to go Deep up respect. there where everybody walks by that guy, you know, nine out of 10 times. I'm going to go up to him at a gas station and be like, dude, 
awesome job. This is cool. I mean, you know, I'll have a conversation and then they just brighten up like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've had this for, you know, like 24 years. I've been keeping it going and it's got the 1.6 and da, 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 da. I'm the kind of person that appreciates that, you know, but I'm not going to walk up like everybody else. Can I take a picture of your Lambo? It's like, I'm not going to be like that. You know, I look for the people that keep the oddities going that to me is so much more impressive than just whipping out your wallet and buying something, you know, but again, teach their own. If you're into that sort of thing, that's cool, you know, and, and more power to you. But for me, it's, I like those oddity cars. Julian, do you think you would ever buy an FC or maybe an FB? I definitely do an FC. I don't know about an FB. I've always liked them because they're so lightweight. They're like 2,400 pounds, but I honestly keep circling back to like the Miata when I think about the OG rotary. Exactly. Yeah. Part of that again is just like how my own era, my own nostalgia, the SAs and the FBs were just kind of like my dad's era cars in a sense. And the FD is almost just barely out of my, just exactly. you know, like, yeah, just, just, just kind of out of, of it. Yeah. Range. Yeah. 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 And I'm maybe too practical. Again, like if I could buy a Mercedes AMG SLK, was it the, they have the SLK 55 AMG and they're like, they make more power. They're just a good car, right? And they're like 18 and to get that for 18 versus an FD for 18 that you know is an early 90s Monza with chintzy plastics, fragile motor, low parts availability, expensive maintenance, poor fuel economy. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I'm really not yep. selling this thing, right? But it's a, it's still, it's a freaking dream car, but that's the thing. It's a dream car yep. now, you know, yep. and it's not for the faint of heart. Whereas, you know, I can turn key in SLK and like send my wife across country in it, have absolutely no qualms. You know, if anything goes wrong, they're going to pick up some spark plugs at Pep Boys and local dealership will take care of it. The seven, like you got to like find the guy in a three-state yeah. radius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows, the rotary expert, knows what he's doing, yeah. maybe. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's kind of where we are. It's almost like a an art form in a sense. Like these artisans are going in and dealing with rotaries now. And it's kind of neat. I mean, there's still people like, there's the Red Bull Drifter who has the Rad Bull cars and he runs an FD and Rotary Miata and a few things like that. His name is um, Mad Mike Willett, I think. And, you know, there's this still this like underground for the rotary, but it, it reminds me a little bit of like the underground for like muscle cars in the 50s and 60s. And that's like kind of where we are now, you know, like you're dealing with a guy who's making like one off parts for these cars 30 years on. So it's very niche. Yeah, it's kind of tough. Yeah. It's amazing to me. They still do it. Right. I mean, so with the like the FB, I like them, you know. Again, if I found one at a good enough price and I had the money to spend and stuff, I probably would get it, you know, because I don't think I'd get like the 79, though. That's just two 70s. It's, yeah. those were like the, they're usually brown, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they just kind of like look like a turd, you know. But I mean, you started getting to the later, like the 85 or something like that. They're pretty cool, you know. And, but again, that, that's still a rough era for me from like 83 to 85. Almost all those cars all over the place they're really chintzy plastic and 
it was all still again gas wars and all this other stuff saving money and things of that nature and you know i'm a big shelby fan and stuff and so like the shelby charger was like really big at the time and i personally cannot stand the shelby charger you know i think it's gross you know that's kind of with the fb a little bit you know it's just really hard lines with not a lot of cool factor to it and it's just a vehicle you know it reminds me a little bit like the bell bottoms era also like technically they're kind of doing a different thing so like the rg7 the first gen project x605 or whatever they called it it was basically like a mazda 323 components and like a lot of it was kind of cobbled together just to kind of make this thing work and then the second gen they start to get a little bit more serious like they're really racing they really put independent suspension they really put i guess it had trailing link actually in the rear which is predated bmw using it and then you know they really use it in competition which i think is like the way that cars get better or at least got better in the 80s and you know in the 90s and even today is like is through this like high level competition where you're kind of running the thing until it breaks and then making the thing that breaks better and they did that like all through the 80s with the fc and then the fd was like this almost like too far like it's just you know there was this high level of durability built in from competition throughout the 80s that they kind of lost sight of in the fd because they were really seeking a completely different level of performance the jump there is actually pretty enormous when you think about the 50 horsepower more you know off the cuff as a few other things like that just the the level of specification of the car was really more supercar than attainable sports car at that point we would go from a car in 1979 that's forty two hundred dollars to one in 1994 that's forty thousand dollars it's a 10 times as much in a decade and and again it's like sushi and not everybody eats sushi you know like the honda s2000 is kind of this wonderful swan song right now but when that car came out everybody just complained about what a dog it was they're like oh this car is just so slow it's absolute garbage it doesn't have any torque and da 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 da. and it's just like you really don't know what you're eating it's it's not a steak you know it's it's sushi you gotta rev it out you gotta let it sing at seven eight you know nine thousand rpm that go to was was that nine thousand like did it redline at nine thousand I think it did. I think he did. It's up there anyways. You know, at that time, so many people were used to driving the car where they could start feeling that major pull at, you know, 3,500 RPMs in most cars and stuff. Or, and, yeah. You know, and here it's like, okay, well, you got to go a little bit deeper into the gas pedal. You know, <laughs> it's like it's there. It's like a an Easter egg. You just don't even realize it's there, you know. You got to so, find it. You got to find it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, when you drive an S2K, like, 5,000 RPM is kind of like boring. Yeah. It's not even really having fun yet. You know, as you get into like six and seven, and it does rev to like nine. I think that they they changed it. They, so there's an AP1 and an AP2. The AP1 is like a, a two liter and revs higher. The AP2, they kind of responded to that criticism. They made it a 2.2 liter and it doesn't rev quite as high. So it's the early one's 9,000. The later ones more like eight, eighty, two hundred. Amazing cars. You just have to use them, you know, to really get the beauty of it. But like on the boil, they're kind of untouchable. I mean, an S2K for what it is, is as fast as an STI, is as fast as 
anything else, you just really have to exploit it. And the sevens are kind of like that. Especially if you get your motor, you know, overnighted from Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. You know, I got to say the the craziest experience I ever had with, you know, we keep talking about high RPMs and stuff is my old drummer from back in the day. I think I told you guys about this car. So he had a Nissan Sentra SER, I think it was, is the, mm-hmm. the yep. R-Type yeah. or whatever. Yep. SER. Yep. It's the, had the front limited slip diff. Correct. Which was garbage. <laughs> Especially when you throw a whole bunch of horsepower at it. But anyways, he took out the stock motor and he put a SR20 DET motor in that from a Skyline and then he put a he had a T3 T4 hybrid turbo in there for the longest time and then i think he could be wrong but i think he ended up going all the way up to a T60 this thing had crazy amounts of power and stuff but first time i took a ride in that car he had it tuned to the extent that if you're just driving around town you couldn't even really tell it had a lot of power it actually kind of drove like a Nissan Sentra would but like the turbo didn't really start to kick in until about i think it was 5500 rpm and so right when you're feeling like, okay, time to shift, then it got crazy, you know? <laughs> so you'd be driving and be like, what? and like, okay, dude, shift. And it's like, what? you know, and it's like, holy crap, you know? So, I mean, it would rev over 9,000 RPM and it was like, oh my wow. gosh, man. And it was crazy. So, but it had so much power in that thing. He was constantly breaking the axles on it. He'd take it down to the drag strip and he would bring multiple axles with him. And he'd just, you know, change them out in the grass really quick. And he was a mechanic, you know, he was really, really good. Anyways, and then he ended up converting it over to all-wheel drive. He took a rear diff off of one of the four-wheel drive Celicas and converted it over to that. And God, that thing was crazy. But yeah, I mean, he could be, I forget, I don't remember the horsepower on that thing. I think... When I was driving in it, it was at like 550. He had a lot more horsepower in it by the time he got rid of it, not when it was all-wheel drive. But I remember he had video of it. I didn't get a drive in it when it was all-wheel drive. But he he would be doing 55, 65 miles an hour on the highway, and he would punch that thing, and it would still spin all four tires while he was driving, and it would just hop around like a... You know, like an old freaking wind-up toy from back in the day. You know, it was it was crazy. And he's like, I just had to get rid of it. It was stupid. <laughs> but yeah, man, hearing a car like hit 9,000 RPM like that on purpose, that is an experience, man. That is, <laughs> is crazy because everything in you is going like, don't do this. <laughs> shift, shift. Shift, come on, shift. All right, well. Time to downshift. That time to downshift and get on out of here. Well, folks, I guess it's time to just drop that gear, disappear. We're going to go ahead and send it off. Thanks again for tuning in. You guys can go to Facebook, Instagram, and like, comment, share. We'd really appreciate it. We really enjoy our Facebook community and little banter on our episodes and everything that kind of goes on out there. We appreciate your feedback. Also, if you're feeling extra generous, you can go to Kofi.com and buy us a coffee. Just go to Kofi.com slash tirekickermedia.com and click on the donate button. Any sort of funds that are donated are used for the show to keep things going. So we really appreciate your financial support and what we do. And on that note, until next time, see you later. <laughs> later. See you guys.